Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. Father, we just thank you that you are so good. We've sung all these words this morning that just declare so beautifully how good you are, uh, how great you are, Lord, and to give you the glory for what you've done in our lives, Father. For each one of us here today, for those who are joining us online, Lord, we just, right now, we just focus, set our mind on your goodness, Lord, to each one of us, Father. And we just say thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. For some, it's new. For some, it's been years and years, Father. But you've just poured it out on us, Father. Thank you for your grace that we could come to you, Lord. The God over everything, Lord, that you would welcome us. More than that, Father, that you would make a way so that we can come to you, Lord. And so this morning, just as we come to your word, Father, we pray that our hearts are just wide open to what you want to say, Lord. And that no one misses out, that we all get to hear from you, Father. We pray that nothing is wasted, that what we receive will grow and flourish into the things that you have for us, Lord. And so we just say yes and amen to what you wanna speak into us and over us. We thank you for the truth of your word, for the power of your word, God. There's nothing like it. There is nothing like it, Lord. And so we just thank you. We thank you that we get to come together in this way and open your word together, Lord, the truth. And study it, get this revelation of who you are and that in that place you might speak to your people, God, and transform us, Lord. And so we just say yes. We say thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be in the house. As Liz said, uh, in the context of the 40 days of prayer and fasting, uh, over this past, <laughs> Liz just opened a bottle of fizzy water and it's officially the loudest bottle of fizzy water on this planet. So to those who are watching at home and you just heard this intense crackling, it's okay, it's just Lissa's water, all right? But I would hate to point anyone out and embarrass them in any way, so. Over this past season, the Christmas season, New Year, uh, we've been praying, we've been praying uh, as a ministry team, we've been praying and Part of the call was for us as a team is that uh, we really felt that the Lord didn't want us just to step into the 40-day 
prayer and fasting season uh, at the very beginning, that we might be prepared in some way so that we've postured ourselves into the new year and into what God's doing. And so in that time, we've been praying and really asking what the Lord's uh, leading us into as a church. And um, that's been really good. One of the things I believe that the Lord's showing us is that there is still so much more that He wants for us. And that the more is a deeper place with God this year. And the deeper looks like a collective, uh, more and more people, like we see in Acts 2, that daily they were added to, that there is a bigger and bigger mass, a crowd, that numbers are added to with the same heart where they desire to go deeper and deeper into the Lord. And um, this, like, it's, it's heavy. It's weighty. Um, and some people are already like, right, here we go. You know, I was looking for easy and light. So Sundays, here we go. It feels weighty to me. And it doesn't feel weighty in the sense of the burden of a weight that we have to carry, but weighty in the sense that the Lord is giving us this invitation to something and it's like, oh my goodness, the Lord would invite us into this space where we get to go deeper with Him. Isn't that cool? Think about the... the, the your favourite kind of VIP celebrity or whatever. They don't even know you exist. And one day there's someone on your doorstep saying, hey, so-and-so wants you to come and have dinner with them. Right? And instantly you're like, oh my goodness, what am I going to wear? I haven't had a haircut for seven weeks. I look, And I got this pimple yesterday. Oh my, what are we going to talk about? It's this expectation, this excitement that God would invite us into this place, not just as individuals, but as a collective that He will call us as a church, as a faith community to go into a deeper place with Him. And we know because we know who He is that when He does that, it's only because He wants to reveal more of who He is in that place. That's who he is, and he's good. So I wonder what our response to this is going to be. Uh, do we have any runners in the room here this morning? Runners, just hands up. Yeah, actually, we got a few. We've got a few that don't want to admit it for whatever reason. I don't know why. But we have some runners in the room and it's New Year's, like there's a lot of resolutions. I know maybe some people have made resolutions to run. Some people make resolutions to go to the gym. We all know how that goes. But anyway, good luck with that. I have some friends who are super fit people. And uh, one of them's actually here in the front row today, uh, visiting with us. And uh, I don't know anything about running, right? Uh, but I'm learning. I'm learning a lot and I'm learning that they're all different types of runners. Now, my friends are the types of runners who run really long distances. Uh, they're called ultra runners, ultra marathon runners. So we're talking 50 to 100 kilometres. And it's interesting when you hang around people like this 
there's a saint, great saying that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? Anyway, I've been spending time with these guys and they gave me an invitation to run an ultra marathon. So at first I just thought, you guys are idiots. <laughs> like I don't run. That's not something I do. And then it was like this little seed was planted in my mind because I do like a challenge and I'm 43 years old and I thought, I wonder if I could even run 50 kilometres. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And anyway, so I've reached the point where I'm going to do an ultra marathon in May. I'm going to attempt to run 50 kilometres. Now, I'm scared. I, I, I seriously, even just telling you guys, now it's out there, right? And uh, so I was actually, but it was worth it for the illustration point. There's more coming. I, someone like me can't just go out and run 50 kilometres. There's no way in the world I would make it, right? And I know this, I've done other physical things in my life and so um, I know that it's going to change. Between now and that race, it's going to change what I eat, it's going to change how I sleep, it's going to change what I do with my time um, and of course I am going to have to start Running, like just <laughs> like Forrest Gump. <laughs> and I'm just going to have to start running. And if I don't start now, if I leave it too late, then there's definitely no chance that I will be able to do that. Like my body just is not able to do that. And so I've got this opportunity to start to plan and to prepare now ahead of time, and hopefully I've got a few people that will be praying for me now, but the place that the Lord wants to take us into the deeper is a bit similar to this idea that we have this awareness that God is saying, there is more for us available, but what's it look like for you to come with me to the more? And I know straight away some people are getting freaked out. You're like, so hang on, you're moving into this space where I'm going to have to make some changes in my life. And you can start talking about words like commitment and things like that and discipline. And yes, yes, what is it going to look like for us to get into this place of more? Now, sometimes in His grace, God comes and He just dumps more on us. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful and we love it when He does it. And there's other times, many, many other times where the Lord says, there is more over here, but have a look at what it's gonna take to get there. And some of what it's gonna take are these huge challenges that if you knew, you'd say, I can't do it, Lord. I don't know if I really wanna go through that, right? But for some of us, it's gonna change so many areas of our life to get to this place. And I know that some people are hearing this already and they're like, oh, this is hardcore. Like this is the second message of the year. 
couldn't we just have the funny one uh, two weeks in a row? That'd be great. Uh, not to say Tim's was funny or take away. It was deeply profound. I'm still moved by it. <laughs> he wanted the, the, the cloud to come this morning so I didn't have to preach. So anyway. But here we are, and I get that, I get that. Some people, you know, there's this passage that I wrestle with from David where he says this one thing that I want is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it challenges me every time I think about it because I'm like, Lord, I love the idea of that, but man, I just, I don't know if it actually grips my heart, you know? And I know he's, like, David was cool. He's David, but... And so this calling, I get that there may be a lot of people here who don't get excited about this in any way, but I want you to hear this, is that it's not a calling to suffering. It's a calling to the goodness of the Father. It's a calling to come into a place where we posture ourselves to receive everything the Father has to pour out in our lives. And it's good and it's full of joy, and it's full of peace, and it's full of hope, and it's amazing. Just this morning, I had the privilege of worshipping with two brothers of mine, Pastor Tim and a good mate of mine, Dave Brown, and we're here worshipping together in this moment. And, you know, we've been, like, following the Lord as friends for over 20 years. And we've all gone into different ministry areas. We've all served the Lord in different capacities. We've got families. God's taken people across the planet into crazy places. And yet here we are this morning, standing together, still worshiping the Lord. And we had this moment where we just said, God, we just gotta give you glory. Like this is not us, we did not do this. If it was us, if we touched this, then we'd be so far off the mark. But for some reason, in your grace, you came and you took us and you saved us and you led us into this life that has been so amazing and so full of blessing. And more than that, we've got to do it as mates. And here we are still today, over 20 years. I pray there'll be many more years to come and we get to be here worshipping you in this moment. These are the things that the Father has for us as we press in. This is some of the more, the joy of just serving and knowing Him. And so we have this invitation. And so today we are starting this message series. It's going to be four weeks in four chapters of Exodus. And so we're starting in chapter... 32, and we're going to be working our way through these four chapters. And I want to give you a heads up, like it is heavy. It is heavy stuff. But there is stuff that God wants to say into every single one of our lives. He wants to speak and He wants to bless. And we have this Heavenly Father who is only good and He just wants to pour out His blessing on us. So turn to uh, Exodus 32 with me. And I'm just going to set the scene a little bit for those who are not familiar with uh, Exodus 32. Uh, It's quite a big story that um, really sets the scene for the Old Testament in many ways. But you have 
the Israelites who were in slavery in Egypt uh, for 400 years. They cried out to the Lord and finally the Lord said, hey, I'm gonna set you free. He raised up Moses as the man to do that task. He equipped him with Aaron and he sent Moses to Pharaoh to say, hey, it's time to let these people go. And um, all sorts of amazing things happened. And they escape slavery in Egypt and they find themselves on this journey to the promised land. And here they are as we start to read in Exodus 32. They are settled at the base of a mountain called Mount Sinai. They're camped out here. And I just want you to get some perspective here. Uh, The numbers, like this is potentially maybe around 2 million, maybe even slightly more people. So this is not just a small group of people. Like that's a good chunk of Brisbane's population right there. Can you imagine the whole of Brisbane right now getting up and saying, we're going to walk to Western Australia? I don't know. I, I, distance, don't quote me on distances, but the idea that that many people would just be like, all right, hey, let's go on a hike. You know, God's got something for us over there. This is the scene. They're camped out at Mount Sinai, Exodus 32, starting at verse 1. Moses has been up the mountain. Another important point. Moses has been up the mountain and he's meeting with God. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come on, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I've really chewed on this passage this week because it seems amazing, it seems ridiculous to me that the Israelites would be worshipping this idol after everything that they had seen God do. It's baffling. Like they were slaves in Egypt. Moses went to Pharaoh. Uh, God sent the 10 plagues. Like they saw the Lord's hand in setting them free. You know, the gold that was collected for this golden calf as they left Egypt, as they left slavery, The Lord put it on the Egyptians' hearts just to give all their gold to them. So they're like walking out on their camping trip and the Egyptians are like, here, take my gold with you. 
That's amazing, right? God performed all these miracles. So they walk out towards the promised land into the desert. They find themselves confronted, locked in by the Red Sea as the Egyptian army comes before them to kill them, to wipe them out completely. And God parts the waters and they walk through the Red Sea to the other side. As they walk through, as they get to the other side, the Egyptian army follows them in and God closes the waters and everyone in the army dies. Like, this is amazing. Then they find themselves in the desert. First thing that happens is they go, hey, we've got no food. Like, what are we gonna eat? This is horrible. God goes, it's okay. I have manna and quail from heaven for you. Anyone who loves quail, this was like amazing. Yes. Then they go, hey, we've got no water. Did we come all this way to die? And God says, Moses, there's this rock. I want you to go and just strike it and water's gonna pour over it, pour out of it. He does and it happens. Amazing, right? Then they, they, they're marching through the desert and, and, and these, this group of people out there called the Amalekites decide to attack them. And God says, Moses, all right, I want you to stand on this mountaintop. Anytime you raise your staff in the air, then the Israelites will have victory. But if it drops down, the Amalekites will have victory. So Moses gets up there, raises his staff, and the Israelites, these slaves, start beating these desert warriors, right? And men come behind Moses to hold his hands up so he can hold that staff up. They have victory over the Amalekites. Like, this is amazing stuff. And they get to the base of this mountain. And just arriving at this place, they have already seen God do so many amazing things. Like surely there is no doubt in their mind who this God is, how powerful He is, what His desires for them are. He is a God who sets them free. He is a God who makes a way. He's a God who leads them from slavery into freedom and blessing and promise and hope. They've seen it time and time again. And here they are, they're camped out at the base of this mountain. And then there's more. There's more. Moses goes up the mountain, he's talking to God. God says, hey, I want you to get the people ready because I am gonna come and I'm gonna speak to the people so that they know who I am. So Moses goes down, he says, all right, guys, you've got two days to consecrate yourself. You must be purified for the Lord to be able to come to us. And on the third day, God is gonna come down the mountain and he's gonna speak to us. So they purify themselves, they get ready. And on the third day, the Lord comes down in a cloud and he speaks to Moses. Let me read this to you. This is Exodus 19, verse 16. It says, On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick black cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now they weren't allowed to touch the mountain in any way. If they touched the mountain, that's where God's presence was and they would die instantly. He leads them to the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled 
violently. Now, you putting yourself here, right? We're thinking, who is this God, right? You know, just think, hey, this weekend, we thought we'd go for a nice walk to the Glasshouse Mountains. And while you're at the base of it, the mountain catches on fire and smoke rises to heaven and it starts to tremble, okay? As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. Now, in that place of God speaking to Moses with the people able to hear, God gives them what we refer to as the Ten Commandments. And let me just highlight the first two for you. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Just in case you're wondering who did it, it was me, right? Not a golden calf. You shall have no other gods before me. Right? Just want you guys to know this. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And that's the first two, right? This is fresh in their mind. This is booming out of a cloud so that everyone can hear. This is what it says in verse 18. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine feeling like if God stops talking to Moses, even though we can hear it, and he turns to us and speaks, we will literally die. That's the fear of the majesty, the awesomeness of God in this moment. You know, there's more. There's more. And so in chapter 24, God invites Moses and Aaron and some of the leaders, 70 of their elders, he invites them a certain way up the mountain. He says, I want you to come up and meet with me. They go up the mountain. This is what it says. Chapter 24, verse 10, it says, They went up, they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. They had a feast in the presence of the Lord, right? Then God calls Moses further up the mountain to meet with him and Moses leaves Aaron in charge. Aaron. Come on. What the heck, Aaron? <laughs> says this, verse 15, when Moses went up the mountain, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days, the cloud covered the mountain and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud to the Israelites. 
The glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. How can they not know who God is? Right? They're camped out. All they've got to do is look up at the mountain and there is a consuming fire. The glory of God is right there. I think we're tempted to read this text and we're tempted just to think the Israelites were idiots. Like, seriously, guys, what were you thinking? Maybe we're tempted just to think these guys were so dumb. Like, how could they not get this? But I I don't think they were dumb. I think that's such a cop-out. If we go down that path, we remove ourselves out of this place and we just judge them as being dumb and we would have done so much better in this situation. I don't think they were dumb. I think they were impatient. I can be impatient at times. There are some impatient people in this room. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. I just know there are. If you're sitting next to that person right now, just maybe even just... They couldn't wait 40 days to hear what Moses had, what God had shared with Moses. They couldn't wait. They couldn't wait that long, 40 days. 40 days, they were impatient. We can all be impatient. All of us, I believe every single one of us has been in a situation where we've been waiting for something to happen. We've been looking to God for something to happen. And while we've been waiting, we have taken things into our own hands. That's what they did. They weren't dumb. They were impatient. They were people who were looking for leadership. They understood that a group of people that side needed strong, healthy leadership. Moses wasn't there. They looked to Aaron. They actually wanted leadership. They weren't just a group of of rogues. They were looking to Aaron. I think they were people that, for whatever reason it may be, they were hungry to worship. Like, they could have thought, The boss has gone up the mountain. How good is this? Like 40 days, no church. Yes. Sleep-ins. We're going to the coast. They didn't really want to go back to the coast, but like they were the ones who went to Aaron with this heart of, hey, there's something in us that desires to worship in some form and we're looking to you for some guidance in this space. Uh, Moses used to facilitate this, but he's not really there. And so will you help us out in this situation? So it's easy to kind of look at these people and say, hey, these guys were just, they just lost the plot. You know, here they are worshipping a golden calf, but 
I think what God has really highlighted to me in here is the catastrophe of spiritual compromise. Do you know what? I, I think they actually had a desire, like Aaron even said, tomorrow we will worship the Lord. You know, the people, the, the first two offerings they bought were offerings that they would bring to God, Yahweh. To the God who was up there burning in fire, the God who they could see. I don't know if they just purely wanted to turn their back on the Lord and worship this idol, but they had this desire. And because they weren't quite clear on some of it, they allowed this level of compromise to come in. So they go to Aaron. Aaron says, you know, later when Moses confronts him, he says, like, what happened? Aaron says, I threw this gold into the fire and a calf just popped out. <laughs> Every parent has a story like that with their child. Like, what happened here? I have no idea. I just threw it into the fire and a golden calf popped out. Right? In compromise, we may not be a room full of idol worshippers. Maybe some of us are. Maybe this is what the Lord is saying, that there is something in your life that is far greater worship than the Lord. I get that. I get that. But for many of us, I feel like the challenge in this is just compromise. What have we allowed to creep in? into our lives. They come on their, their festival, their day of worship to the Lord that Aaron instructs them to do. They bring their offerings to the Lord and then they eat and drink and they get into some pagan revelry, okay? Now, kids' program isn't on, so I won't go into detail of what that looks like, but I will say that it's usually uh, activities that we would say are reserved for marriage between a man and a woman, Right? They have a really good time, really good time. And so they started out worshipping the Lord and then this compromise comes in and they end up in this space which is just not quite right. In fact, it lands in a place of outright sin. They get taken away. So maybe we're not a room full of golden calf worshippers, but maybe every one of us has this challenge of compromise creeping into our life in places. And it has this way of starting out as something tiny and then leading us further and further from the things that the Lord actually desires from us. And maybe it's completely unknown to most people. It could be the things that you look at online when no one else is around. Compromise. I can do this here. No one else knows about it. It won't harm anyone else. It could be unforgiveness in your heart that you allow to remain. No one can see this. No one knows it. And that person is just a so-and-so anyway. And in some weird way, I find a bit of joy in just being mad and hating on them. It just sits, maybe, maybe no one here would ever do this, but maybe it's the gossip that takes place 
against that person who's offended you in some way in the past and you find yourself in these conversations where you're releasing these juicy little stories that probably don't need to be released. It's compromise. It just creeps in and in the moment we think, this is okay, I can get away with this, but it's robbing us from this place that the Lord desires for us. And it's easy for us to get there. Have you ever wondered why, why a calf? Like we know, we know that it didn't just pop out of the fire, okay? It actually, the text actually says it was cast, it was fashioned with a tool. Have you ever, ever wondered why a calf? You know, in, in the Egyptian culture, there was an actual God that was a bull. And so they've come from that place where they've seen this physical representation of a God and they're moving into this place, Canaan, where the Canaanites worshipped a God who was a bull also, the, the God Baal. And the worship practice of worshipping this God involved horrible things, sacrificing infants and then some of that activity I was talking about earlier, but just it was bad. And so they come into this place where they are looking for something physical to worship. And I wonder if Aaron just thought, well, like a bull, that's pretty extreme. Like we are not those people. We don't worship bulls. But a calf is like a baby cow. And surely a calf is okay. It's compromise, right? And they felt that that was acceptable. And they got involved in that. I have someone here with me today. This is a concrete sheep that the Haddon family gave to us. It sits on our front deck. Uh, My daughter has named it Bartleby. Some people got it. Uh, and <laughs> that name, it's not locked in, mind you. There's still a lot of family discussion going on over the name of this sheep, all right? Uh, some do not approve of Bartleby. So today it's just the concrete sheep because I didn't have a golden calf. Uh, we were all out of golden calves. So I bought the concrete sheep, and, and I just want you to imagine for a second that Uh, I'm on intro today and we've all gathered for church and Tim did such a great job of this leading us into focusing our hearts on the Lord as we move into this place of worshipping right this morning and today it's my turn and everyone's gathered and everyone's keen like we're going to get ready to worship and I say what I want us to do today I've got our concrete sheep here and we're just going to direct all our worship at this sheep you know everything good in your life it comes from this sheep right here, right? Now, there's no way anyone here is going to be cool with that, right? I think that's a pretty quick way to kill a church. I actually feel uncomfortable having a sheep here. And we don't worship this sheep in any way. Um, I'd like to keep it. Like, I hope it doesn't need to be smashed or anything like that, but... 
But no one is going to say, damn, what a great idea. I'm just opening my heart up to this right now. We're on board, right? No, I don't think anyone in the room is going to do that. I'd be pretty upset if, if people were. Now, we might not worship the concrete sheep, but we might compromise in other areas of our life. And we might compromise as soon as we leave this place where the presence of God has been so powerful this morning and where we've been reminded of the things that God has done in our life and where we've sung about His goodness and we've talked about His goodness and yet we leave this place not only not with the ability to look to the mountain but with the presence of God inside us and we say yes to compromise. If the Israelites were idiots, then what are we? What are we? Worshipping a concrete sheep sounds ridiculous. But compromise can happen. And so compromise, it can look like creating a God that we would prefer to worship, right? I don't like this God who says, you know, purity is the way. I don't like my God, I worship Him and I go to church and stuff, but He's cool with some of the stuff, you know. That's the God that I want. So we fashion a God that we desire, but it's based through compromise. And there are two things that will help massively to protect us from the cost and the catastrophe of compromise. And one is the fear of the Lord. The Scriptures say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom that we would actually be reminded of just how sovereign and how powerful and how amazing this God is, that there is a consequence for sin, that we would be reminded that how we live, how we follow actually matters. And the second one is this ability to authentically examine our heart's desires. It may not be the issue of what I look at online. It's what's in my heart. Why do I want that? Why do I not want this good thing that God has for me? What is going on in my heart? Now, if we fail to be able to do both of those, then we find ourselves in this risky space of being swept away from the goodness of God. And this is what happened to Israel. The consequences were huge, absolutely massive. God was going to lead the way. He was going to send an angel who was just going to do all the hard work for them and lead them into the promised land. God was going to pour out every blessing on them in this covenant relationship and yet it was changed. It was altered. And the consequence of, of that sin was death. It was a father's judgment. And I know that we stand here on the other side of the cross and Jesus has come and we live in this grace which we so deeply require. But at the same time, I think, well, why Old Testament? Why do we have this? Because it reveals the heart of the Father. 
We get to see that He desires good for us, that He has a promised land for every one of us, that He is the one who initiates the setting free from slave to son, that He is good, that He has all these things for us, that He will not be mocked, that because of His justice and His mercy, that sin will not be turned away from. And so Jesus comes and Jesus willingly says, I'll take it all. I will take it all for these people. The Scriptures say like when we move into this space of sin and compromise, we trample on the cross. It's like Jesus is saying, why are you doing that? Like I've sorted this out. Why are you doing that? Why are you allowing this to come in? So I know this is heavy. But here's who God calls us at Hope Community. He's got this calling over us, whether we like it or not. He says the true worshippers will be those who worship in spirit and truth. And so we will be people who don't fashion our own gods, but we worship the God of the Bible as we're led by the Holy Spirit and we receive a revelation of who He is and how good He is and the things He wants for our lives. We go, wow, I'm gonna worship you with everything, Lord. Everything. And that's true worship. I was... um, Given this watch in preparation for my race, it's this fancy watch. And uh, this thing, it records everything that I do. Like there is more data accessible through this watch than you could ever imagine, right? It tells me uh, how far I've run, where I've gone, it tracks me. Uh, when I get to certain points in my run, the watch does a little celebration and it gives me these messages like, well done, Dan. Uh, you rock. Uh, today is your day. It tells me these things and then it tells me when I'm stressed. And I was looking at the info and last Sunday at 9 a.m. when church started, I was stressed according to my watch. And I thought, okay. It tells me how good my sleep is. If I, if I go into here, I can look at my body stats and I can find out how long I slept for last night. It tells me when I'm ready for more training. Um, it, t- it, it tells me a lot of stuff. I want to show you this. Last night, this is good. I slept for seven hours and 50 minutes. The quality of my sleep was excellent, <laughs> according to my watch. And let me give you a breakdown on that sleep for those who are interested. I'm assuming that's all of you. I spent one hour and 21 minutes in deep sleep. I spent four hours and 58 minutes in light sleep. I spent one hour and 31 minutes in REM sleep. That's a good gear right there. 
And I was awake for three minutes in the middle of the night. Now, I don't know if I like this watch or not yet. I don't usually like things like this. But it's helping me train for where I need to go. Now, we were worshipping here this morning and my watch did something. I thought, hello, watch. And I thought to myself, like, like it was good worship, right? And I actually thought to myself, there's all these different set. If I go for a surf, I put it on a setting. It tracks my surfing. If I go for a run, I put it on a run setting. It tracks my run. I thought to myself this morning, imagine if there was a worship setting. Because I thought, I wonder if I'm burning a few calories right now. Like the arms are going up and down. I was doing a bit of these ones. It just felt like I was just, I don't know, ushering the presence of the Lord or something. I feel like this is a bit of a light workout, you know? And I thought, imagine if there was a worship setting. And I thought for a second, imagine if our watches could track our spiritual life. And we could, it probably is, mind you, Dan is a phenomenal follower of Jesus. Go after it today, Dan, in Jesus' name. Thank you, watch. Imagine if we could track our spiritual life. Dan, this week, you spent 14 minutes reading your Bible. A breakdown of that time. 10 minutes, you were completely distracted and took in nothing. Three minutes, the dog was trying to tell you that it wanted to go outside. One minute, you read the same thing over and over because you realised it was not getting in your brain. This is the breakdown of your Bible time this week. Dan, this week, you actually spent zero minutes just in worship of God. Dan, this week, your heart was bitter for 27 hours. Dan, this week we see what you were looking at when no one was around. Not good, Dan. Don't do that. (laughs) Hebrews 12. Team, you guys can come up. Hebrews 12, verse 1, therefore... Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Here we are at the start of the year and it's this awesome time to really go after the things that the Lord has for every single one of us. It's an awesome time to do it as a church. 
And for every single one of us, it is gonna take some discipline. There are things in our life that need to be started and there are things in our life that need to be cut off and left behind so that we can run the race with our eyes fixed on Jesus. There are some distractions in our life that just need to go. And here we are, we're moving into 40 days of prayer and fasting. That's a long time. The Israelites couldn't wait 40 days for Moses to return. Some of us won't be able to make 40 days to see what the Lord has to say for us. But every one of us has this opportunity, whether it starts today, now, or for our 40-day fast to say, yes, Lord, I am going after the things of You and I'm gonna push away everything. The things that so easily entangle the sin, the things that hinder, and I'm gonna run with perseverance, the race that you have marked out for me. Now I am not gonna stand here and tell you what that looks like. There'll be devotional resources and things that'll come out that's gonna guide us together on these 40 days of prayer and fasting, but. Every one of us needs to be in this place where we come before the Lord and we just say, Lord, show me what this looks like for me. Maybe you're like me at times, you just come in before the Lord and say, God, help my heart. When it's not there, when the desire's not there, help my heart grow something in me. I've been practicing like officially my training for this run doesn't start for a few more weeks, but I've been getting out and doing a few runs and this, there's this crazy thing happening where I'm starting to enjoy it. I don't know what's going on with me right now. God, would you do something in me where some of these things that seem hard or seem like sacrifice that You would move me into a place where I long for them more and more, God. Just because I know You're good, because I know it's helping move me into the places that You have. God is so worthy. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one that loves us so much that He initiates all of this, that He makes a way. He is the author. He's authoring your life. He's authoring my life. And we get to stand here knowing I am not perfect, but He is the perfecter of my faith. He is worthy of this worship. 
I invite you to stand. And as we start to worship and just finish up in our time together, I just want you to just invite the Holy Spirit and just say, Lord, what does this look like for me? What do the changes look like? What does the more look like? What needs to be left behind? What do I need to start doing that I'm not doing? What does this look like to me to move into more with you? Holy Spirit, would you come and just speak? Every heart here. God, you're so good. And we just worship you. Holy Spirit, show us where compromise has crept in. God, show us where sin has taken root in our lives, Father. Father, we thank You for Your grace as we repent today, as we turn away from sin and as we turn to You. ask Him what it looks like. God, I pray that right now, just in the work of Your Spirit, You're even showing people what this fasting season may look like for them. Maybe it's something hard. Maybe it's a real sacrifice, Lord. Give us the strength, God, to even call us into those things to, to, to be obedient in those things that you're calling us to that are, are gonna be hard. Come Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, Have the best week.